Hello. Welcome to the hundredth episode. I won't keep you long. Uh, Nick and I crapped on so much, so self-indulgent, that we've split this episode into two parts. So, enjoy part one of the hundredth episode. Next week, part two of the hundredth. It's pretty easy. I don't know. I'm still waffling. I'll just quietly fade myself out here while I uh, don't know what I'm doing. My hands are small today. <laughs> <sighs> Alright, so we are back where it all started. I'm joined by Nick Manianis. Hi Nick. Hello. And this is episode 100. Hooray! <laughs> maybe insert sounds of people cheering. Um... Does this feel momentous to you, Nick? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does actually. It's weird, right? Yeah. On the on the way over here, I was like, "Oh, this feels like something," but then it's not. But it does. <laughs> I'm going to answer these questions that people have given us. There's no real importance or or value to it, but you know, it's nice. We got to a hundred. I like we're in the same room. Yeah, same room as where we started. I think it was Easter 2013. Yeah. Wow. And there was a party about to happen. Yeah. And we excited went, oh, about we'll, a party. We'll go and do stuff and, oh, we're going to have a party afterwards. Oh, it's so exciting. Um, yeah, it's pretty shambolic from memory. <laughs> yes. Didn't really know what we were doing and how to how to edit and how mm. to record. Yeah. Um, and now we're back. And it's, yeah, 100. And thank you, everyone who... Uh, asked us questions. We've got quite a few. I don't know how many, like close to 20. <laughs> so we might just have to burn through some yeah. of them. Um, I might as well just like crap on at the start and say thank you to everyone who's listened. And people have listened since the start. That's pretty amazing. And a lot of people have tagged on. We've just stopped the recording just to check. So we're not really that much better at recording than we were the first time. Oh, I was wondering. It's been a few issues. It's been a few issues. Only with, like, the same person. I don't know why. When I interviewed Tom, I fuck up the recording. Look at the volumes on that now. That's way better. Yeah, it's way better. Yeah. Um, so, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, thanking people for listening. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> Thank, that's true. I, I'm genuine. Thank you for everyone to listen. Um, I have. We haven't looked at... Have you looked at downloads or...? Not since I did the big summary at the end of last season. Yeah. That's the... Um, that's kind of the, the thing that I do now. Once we've got through a season, then I'll go through and update all the numbers. So I should have done that for 100 episodes. No, 100. that's all right. But I remember <laughs> just even, I don't even know, maybe even after the first few, you were like, oh, there was like 100. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's crazy. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But I think the, the highest one that we had previously was like 1,100. And again, that just freaks me out. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that could be people's things cutting out and having to re-download or... Um, I don't know, my parents hitting download lots of times to boost um, the numbers. But two or three of them definitely be me checking links when it, when it, when it wasn't automated. Right. But now it's automated and just scary. Yeah. <laughs> so those numbers still, yeah, it's, it's weird. But it's been, again, I don't quite understand it. I like talking to people who are overseas listening. That's still never going to make sense to me that people listen to this who don't know me or who didn't yeah. know me at the start. So... Cool. There'll be more episodes. I will take a break after the 100th. 
I've already got some guests lined up, including some ex-students for oh, the cool. first time, who I met yesterday, and they were like, do you have a podcast or something? You're always posting about something. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And they're like, can we be on it? I was like, completely taken aback. Oh, yeah, okay. Because I, I figured it would be a bit weird interviewing ex-students, even though I've done it before. You've done it before, but... Yeah, I don't know. It just I was like, yeah. But they were like, yeah, we'll be on it. Is it because there's been a bit of a gap since the last time you interviewed ex-students? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, but yeah, it was weird. And they were like, oh, we like podcasts, which again made me go, oh, really? I thought it was old people. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to everyone listening. Yeah. All right, who was, you know, old. Um, How are we going to do this? We have a list of questions. We have a 10-sided die that Nick has, and we will roll that. Uh, we've got a question that we'll start with from the lovely Emily, and then we'll roll a die after each question and then count down whatever the number says from that question. Yep. So Emily's first question was... You want to read it for me, Nick? Sure. Um, <laughs> do, do, you mean, do you mean that one or that one? No, the, the one we discussed yeah, before okay. we recorded, remember? You know, the, you know, the pre... The pre yeah. Remember when I said that's the one we yeah. should start with? Well, you know what? <laughs> um, so, uh, Matt. Yes. Uh, would you rather have persistent and obvious lip sweat yep. or persistent and obvious body odour? What a great question, Emily. That's the <laughs> hardest question of the day. Oh, clearly the lip sweat one, right? Yeah, that's, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. I'd much rather be wiping it away and yeah. just apologising about it rather than worrying that I'm would stinking. It, would, can we add a little tack on like you were oblivious to it? Like you're oblivious to your lips, well, I don't know how you would be, uh, and you're oblivious to your body odor. <laughs> would that make a difference? Um, like, oh, people can see it. Oh, I didn't know. Sorry. Oh, it's there again. I'd, I'd just be walking around with a, a handkerchief or something. I'd I just mean, be mopping at my face all day. I mean, it'd be the perfect time too to have that oh, yeah, wearing mask. a mask all the time. Yeah. So I mean, that's a bit of a cheat. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, <laughs> thanks, Emily, for kicking us off with that one. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna roll the die. All right. All right. One. One. All right. The next question. Your celeb. So if you can invite, what was that three celebrities to a dinner party, who would you invite and what would you ask them? Now, for a lot of these questions, I should say... It's from Hannah. Oh, it's from Hannah. Thank you. Um, for a lot of these questions, um, I just went with first response, like my first reaction. Sure. Uh, just because... I didn't want to be like, well, what will I ask them? So my first response immediately was Muhammad Ali because that'd be pretty entertaining to have at a dinner party, would it not? I'd, you'd have quite a lot to ask him. What's wrong, Nick? I don't know. I'm just really surprised. Well, I, I would never have thought Muhammad Ali. You don't, never. You, I've never talked to you about how much I love Muhammad Ali. No. How, like, when we were kings, he's, like, not, like, my favourite documentary, but, like, one of my favourite movies of all time. No. You know, you might have told me that. <laughs> I, I, I just, he was a one of one, I guess. He was, he right. was, he's a very, uh, just the charisma of him and his life uh, story and all the challenges. What he represents, I think, is pretty important as well. But he, uh, yeah, he led quite an interesting life. I don't know if I'd be asking him too much relationship advice. <laughs> But I'd certainly be asking him about uh, his persona and what he thought it did for him, I guess. That was, that was my first one. Do you have 
Well, how about you say one? I'm glad of... you said you just went for the first things that came to mind because mm-hmm. I overthought this one and haven't got anything written down. Okay. Um, but um, Tom York, I think. Okay. Um, that's that's number one. Uh, I I'm really worried it would turn out like knew, the time I, I've met other famous people. I guarantee. Where I just felt really bad the whole time. I was going right. to do a preamble to that question and go, all right, Nick. <laughs> I've thought about it, and what I need to say is, let's assume everything goes well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, of course. Because that was the thing of like, I can't invite these people. They're just, I'm going to have nothing to say. I've done this a similar exercise on another podcast with a group of people where we're like, who would we invite to dinner? And it became fairly clear that they would all, the people we invited would all happily talk to one another sure. while we sat in the corner going, oh, well, this is, yeah. no yeah. one likes us. Yeah, I'd, I'd, so, you know, going from that, yep. love to ask him about music, love to ask him about politics, yep. love to ask him if his current partner is anti-vax, right. which there was a bit of discussion around that with the the Smile concerts. Right. Yeah. Interesting. And that made me go, oh, okay. what? Okay. I don't know if that's true. If it's not, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Tom, I know you're listening. Um, I chose Richard Pryor as well. Because I think you could just go, hey, Richard, tell us about your life. And then that would be a fairly interesting evening. I don't know where I'd start with him. I mean, he grew up in a brothel for a start. Um, very tough childhood. Yeah. How that informs your life. I don't know how you go from like living in such, uh, in such poverty or in such a fraught environment and then be able to be so vulnerable on stage that's what i'd ask him i guess huh. mm. um so i instantly thought that i would invite robert smith round yeah because i want to apologize please i, I don't know if you've mentioned this story <laughs> on the sure podcast please say it again because it's a great story what um, happened when you met him um i felt really awkward and realised he was a normal person and his parents were there after the concert as well. He, his parents were there? Yeah, his parents came and watched. Know. They walked out with him as well at, uh, behind the Canberra, not Canberra Theatre, the Entertainment Centre thing. In so Canberra. was it, you just waited or did yeah. you have, oh, okay. Yeah, so we waited with other fans after the Canberra concert and yeah. waited and waited and then more fans peeled off and then finally he and a few of the other members of the band came out and his parents. With his parents? Yeah, and I thought, oh wow. And then he... He happily came over and spoke to everyone. Oh, that's very and nice. Was really calmly spoken and let people take photos. Yeah. And I instantly was like, oh man, does he do this after every concert? Maybe. He yeah. had no, seemed to have no qualms. The bodyguards were around keeping him, keeping people back. But yeah. So when you say, did he do this at every concert? Did he, is that? I just, just yeah. Just so imagine think, being wow. him. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. And these people having this moment of their lives. And yeah. that's just part of his everyday life. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I still don't know why I'm saying I didn't have him there, but I guess. Well, you could yeah. just talk to him like a normal yeah, person. Yeah, Eventually. Talk to him like a normal person would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the last person I chose, again, I was, it popped into my head and I was like, that'd be pretty cool. It's Catherine Hepburn. Wow. <laughs> I know. Yeah, okay. Because I don't know why, just in the, in, uh, the last, maybe in the last 12 months, I've watched a few of her like classic films. I'd never seen Bringing Up Baby with her and Cary Grant where they've got a leopard or something. <laughs> um, I'd never seen that. It's crazy screwball, but also that led me to like read stuff about what it was like for her to, you know, be this independent independent woman and also wear trousers and uh, 
you know, have those discussed. Like, oh, should a woman wear pants? That's too masculine. And, um, and also, she's a, an amazing golfer. There's a scene from a movie, I can't remember the movie, where some, she's arguing with someone and she's like really worked up and they walk onto a golf course and there's like 10 balls set up. And it's clearly just set, been set up so she can say, let's film how good I am at golf. And she just one after another just belts these balls like wow. in a constant swing. One, two, one, back and forth. It's amazing. And just makes me go, what a, what a cool lady. Um, but just in her era growing up, yeah, plenty of cool stories. And, if, and then you can go down the YouTube rabbit hole seeing her on like the Dick Cavett show and these long form interviews where you're like, interesting person. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> so my third person well, I just I, ha- I have to say Dave Foster Wallace okay and yet there's like this I love how you're like oh I'm, I'm... no <laughs> I have a lot of questions I have, <laughs> I have a, a lot of questions I have a lot of questions more questions than you did many years yes. ago yes yeah yeah and, and what are I you trying think... to get to the bottom of this could be a very long conversation, but no, I don't want it to be a long conversation. What, what I'm trying do you to get to the bottom of how I feel, the my fraught relationship with you know the the that ongoing thing of author, yes. storyteller, yeah, separating them from the work, yeah, what I get out of the work, what type of person they actually were, yeah, um, and I'm I'm finding it tough. Do you know what's great about that conversation is I've heard people describe it as like oh it's a new you know, like we're all reckoning with it at the moment. But I, I was given a book by a student called Welcome to Berlin. Mm-hmm. That was good. Um, Chris Isherwood, I think. And it was oh. written in Berlin. Welcome to Berlin. Uh, in the early 30s. So when the Nazis were coming to power, it's like this really great... He was just an artist, writer. And he's just, it's basically vignettes of his life. But there's all these cool... under cool undercurrents of the nazis coming to power and people talking about eh, it'll be fine and the nazis aren't going to win and all this stuff like that early um but in one of the bits he goes to this dinner party and they're arguing about byron and what a horrible person he was and should we separate him the artist from uh what a horrible person he was and it was the same conversation and i was like huh okay like everything else yeah. these are ongoing conversations that that people have to have when you find out or you have to discuss anyone. But as soon as you're like, well, that's in the past. Well, in the past, they were still having that conversation. Yeah. So you got to, I also found that I instantly checked my biases and went, there are no women on my list. Right. Um, and instantly thought, oh, Emily Dickinson or Sylvia Plath or someone could go. Like, I just think about things that have engaged me incredibly and made me really mm-hmm. think and feel. And, but they, they, it was, they came up when I went, Nick. Are you thinking about... I don't know. Anyway, there you go. Classic Nick answer. <laughs> Overthinking every second. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. All right. Wow, that's question Thanks, number Hannah. two. Yeah, question number two. I'm not even looking at the clock. So yeah, if this turns into two parts, then so be it. All right. Oh, dear. Two. Two. Yeah, we were there. One, two. Okay, this is from Alison, I think, which is what spurred you on to the hundredth episode. Um, was there more to that question or is that, was it sep- did um, I separate it? I don't know. Did you separate it? Okay, so I might do both. So what is the kick you get out of this and what has spurred you to the 100th? Yep. Yes. Uh, 
And what is the surprising takeaway, I guess? Um, so what spurred to the 100, and I think I've talked to Alison about this, so, was, you know, like the start of last year, you know, 13 months ago, I'd done 56 episodes in seven years. And I've done 44 in the last 60 weeks or something like that. I had a, a break of probably three months in the middle of uh, 2021, and then I've just done one every week. Um, I don't know what something flicked in my head last the start of last year where I, I wrote down a list of people who I wanted to talk to. Um, I think the, having Zoom in everyone's life made things a bit easier mm. because before that, people were unsure, how do I record? What do I do? And Zoom was able to be like, just if you do it, have an interview, you can record it. You're having a meeting, you can record it. Um, if it's more than two people, you can only do 40 minutes at a time. Right. But if it's two people, it's unlimited. So once that happened, then I realized the other person didn't have to do anything except click on Zoom and relatively be able to be heard. And then it would just record the conversation together. I would have to do minimal editing. Hmm. So once that happened, people were like, oh, okay. Because before that, you'd have to, well, you have to record your end or I would have had to get a different program yeah. and do that. I also bought a good microphone at the start of last year because I recorded with Tom Griffith yeah. and with the new computer and it sounded terrible. Um, so I actually bought a, a better microphone and that's helped. Um, and so that was it really. And then once I did that and I made a list, uh, once I started asking people, most of them said yes, um, which is a surprise. Also, two main things come up. Number one, 80%, 80 to 90% of everyone I've asked has said the same thing, which is, I don't have anything interesting to say. Why would anyone listen to what I've said? Even though they often listen to other people's <laughs> yes. that they don't know talk about whatever. So I don't know if everyone's got a defensive side to them where they just think, I don't have any interesting stories. And then obviously they do. But they just, we instantly think, oh no, I'm going to talk and it's going to suck and everyone's going to be bored. Yeah. Um, and so that's really what happened. I just made a list of people and every one of them said yes. And all of a sudden I had a list of about 20 people and I just went through them. And then when I was up, I had a break and then I came back and did the same thing. And it changes. And sometimes it's as clear as just going through my phone and seeing who my friends are and going... I should talk to them about this idea. Mm. Um, and I guess that's that's what spurred me to 100 was just once I started doing it every week, it was uh, surprisingly fun to do every week. Um, the surprising takeaway is, like I said, everyone thinks that they're boring or they've got nothing to say. I heard an interview with David Sedaris who's one of my favorite authors. I've seen him live and I nearly lined up to meet him, but the line was way too long. Yeah, I, can imagine. I was going to give him a shoehorn <laughs> because I read one of his books like the week before and he said, people often bring me things and give me presents and no one's ever bought me a shoehorn. That'd be practical. I'd like that. And so I was like, cool, I'll buy you a shoehorn to give to you. But then again, I overthought it and thought, what if like 50 people bring him a shoehorn because they all read the same thing. But in the end, I was like, no, I'll do it anyway. But the line was too long. I didn't want to line up. I didn't wow. want to wait. Okay. Yeah. It's not like 
Mr. T where I have to, you know, if I wait a little longer and then I'll never see him again, it's not a big loss. I got to see him live. I like him a lot. And again, I don't know what would have been earned by me going, here's a shoehorn, David Sedaris. <laughs> and then I might have appeared in one of his books, but probably not. <laughs> um, but anyway, David Sedaris said, it's my favorite quote of last year, and it's exact, 100% accurate for this podcast. He said, people are more interesting than their personas. That's really well said. And like so that. well said. And I was like, that's kind of what I found doing this podcast is that if you just talk to people about what they actually think and you talk to them long enough, they can't keep up that persona. And there's something about doing a podcast and saying, I'm recording this and just asking them very specific questions that makes that persona shield go away. Mm. Um, There's a few episodes where I've encouraged the persona because I enjoy the personas and you can hear me... (laughs) match those people i'm looking at you drez and and the phil where i enjoy, i've always enjoyed when i talk to them getting into that persona with them um but on the whole that's what tends to happen is people think they've got nothing interesting to say <laughs> it's it's really obvious but like just listening to people and then asking them a question about what they've said really um opens them up and that seems obvious, but I don't I think we do that in the everyday. Did you feel you had a persona in your solo app? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe at the start, again, oh, that's a, a, I don't think so. I, I don't know. I just asked that then huh. because I'm not sure. And I think you're right about maybe at the start and then... Yeah. And then... I couldn't. Like, then I was just magically into listening to you. Well, uh, a few people have asked, like, did you do that in one go? Mm-hmm. And I, di- I did it in, like, three parts. The the book part of it, and I have one that I haven't listened back to that one. <laughs> Usually I listen back mm-hmm. to edit, but I didn't really listen back to it. But I would say if you listen to the book part, uh, that probably flows the easiest because I had literally been keeping a book reading log the whole year so that was quite easy to go through and just cut out and just have the books i wanted to talk about and then i already had things written um the other stuff was more off the top of my head which is probably if i listen back to it like i forgot to mention this film or if i got to mention this song um but that's a good point i probably had a persona at the start which would have been self-aware and self-mocking because that's how (laughs) i do everything when i start like oh well this is whatever this is stupid like i said this seems momentous but it's nothing really it's pretty stupid um yeah good question but that that's yeah that's what i find is that people start with a persona and then they tell a story and if you something catches then you can go go back to what you said there and then all of a sudden you're just like oh i Oh, that person's listening to me, so it's a bit more comfortable. I don't know. It's a. I try and make people comfortable, and again, the more I've done it, the easier that gets. And so it's not like I'm not consciously... I think earlier I was always consciously trying to move the conversation along or lead it somewhere, um, but now I just know that... Number one, I can edit. That took me way too long to realize was that... Is that right? I didn't have to keep talking... That's what I think we've talked about. Like we have. I, yeah, where I say I yeah. say things that aren't even true. I do that less because it's like I don't need to keep the conversation going. I can say, just hang on a sec. 
you said something before and I will think about it and then I can just wait. Mm. I can even pause and go back and listen to it. That took like 70 episodes before <laughs> I realized I could do that. So there's a little bit of that where um, that's come out of it. Um, but in the day-to-day, I have that in my day-to-day. Like a, It's almost like a superpower. I hate small talk. I can't do it. It drives me crazy. I don't like going to parties and just sitting there going... And people that you might see like once every year or once every few months and you're like, so how's work or something like that. Now I know <laughs> I can say, why, why do you do that job? What's the best part of that job? That's a way better question than how's work. I don't care how your work's going. But as soon as you say, what's the most frustrating thing about your job? Then I have to, they have to actually think about their response. They're not going through the motions. I went to a New Year's party and I had like two really intense conversations. It wasn't intense it, from outwardly. My wife was like, you look like you were. That was a pretty intense conversation. I said, all I was doing was finding out why they like their jobs. And it's the same as people saying in their podcast that they think they're boring and they've got nothing to... Mm. You get rid of the persona and when you actually say, what do you like about your job? And they start telling you, it's fascinating. It's, they get passionate. Yeah. They get into it and they get intense because no one ever asked them or they don't get a chance to be like, like, so why do you do your job? What's the best part? A lot of times it's, how's your job? Well, it's going good. The small talk just fills spaces, right? It just fills space. So if, if you can cut out that space, then you can have like 10-minute conversations with people and now those two people, next time I see them, there's no small talk. I'll be able to go, well, I mean, you, last time I spoke to you, you said blah, blah, blah. So I'm just turning my life into the podcast, basically. Um, and self-awareness as well. The times in the conversation where I'm like, that was a really good question. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this conversation. Like, look at them go. And, and that's been the biggest takeaway, I think, is just... If you listen to people and you ask them specific questions. And it, I mean, that's come up. I think I'm lucky in at work, the office I'm in, that's what we do. If there's a lull, someone just says, get your question book out, ask us a question. Your question book. Yeah, I've got one and my boss has one. And it'll just come out and we'll... And that's been really, again, no small talk to like... Well, the question I asked uh, Ellis on the podcast was like, is birth traumatic? That's in that book. Mm. What a great question to just mm. all of a sudden be thinking about in your day. And if you've got, we have a staff room that is like, yeah, let's talk about whatever. Um, and that, that just, I don't know, that's way better than, it's really humid. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> COVID numbers today. Yeah. Like, I can't do it. Okay. I'm just yeah pondering. Pondering. Yeah. But that's that's. Yeah. Oh wait, I've got an arrow. That was an, that was an incredible answer. That was. Good question. I've got an arrow and I don't know. I've got a list. I've got a list of people. Should I just read out the list of people and then try and work out what they're. Sure. What they're talking about. Uh, no. The surprising takeaway. Um, getting back to it. My favorite thing 
that I that's happened in the last twelve months is talking to people who I haven't spoken to for mm. ages. That's been awesome. Hannah, JC, Drez, Paul Hirons, Adam, Lungs, um, Amy, everyone, Helen, Noelia, Dave, my brothers even, yeah, yeah, Sudi, my dad earlier on. I think I recorded with my dad and I was like, now I've got this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that was such a good podcast. Now I've, now I've got this recording with my dad. That's cool. Um, but even my brothers, like talking to my brothers, again, in podcasts, a lot of those, those people, I have not had a conversation of that length in years. In some cases, 20 years. Um, probably talking to Jason for an hour, my brother Jason. I can't tell you ever if we've had just a one-on-one conversation. Mm. My older brother, Michael, or eldest brother, I should say, and I, we, we will sit down and have a long chat while the cousins are off running around. Uh, but yeah, Jason, I, I don't ever, I very rarely talk to, and if I do, it's not that that long. So that's just been great. But just to catch up with people who I just literally haven't seen, yes, but certainly haven't spoke to. Like talking to Ad, that's Dave, um, one of my oldest friends, we if we get together it's just waffle fun waffle it's just waffling on and and talking rubbish but it's just nice there's something about the podcast too which just i don't know you can ask more direct questions and you can what the other thing is is you can talk about things that you've only really talked about in periphery periphery. like this thing happened to me like any even if it's traumatic like this happened to me well, I can't sit down with you when, after it's happened. And I can't, if we're at a birthday party or something <laughs> like that, I can't be like, let's talk about this traumatic thing that happened. So it sort of makes things a bit more direct. So it gets rid of the waffle and you can do more direct things. You've created a safe space based on all of your other episodes as well. Right. People have, it's my impression. Mm. I, I mean, I listen to it and see the way you deal with and treat with really tricky situations questions mm. and it makes me feel safer than i used to to speak on your podcast I, right I, I, maybe it's just me but i mm. would imagine it would make others feel the same as well mm, that's very nice um yeah and i think uh, that's one other thing that i've got better at over time is uh in the early episodes there were a couple where i where i wanted to get to a specific specific topic but you can hear me being really hesitant in the conversation all the way through and then when we get to it i'm sort of i don't know how far to push it and i think i've just become a bit more nuanced in like oh they're happy to talk about it and usually you know 95 percent of the time i've said to people i'm going to ask you about this is that okay even before you know that's the second question do you want to do the podcast yes can i talk to you about blah 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 and then they tell me. Mm. Um, I think the only time was when I interviewed Sudi and we talked about Pete um, basically dying from alcohol poisoning. That was the only time where I sprang that on him and I felt really bad about that. Um, and I won't do that again. That was a, a thing that I... He was happy to talk about, but you know, like it, you need to create that safe space. So you need to say, can I ask you about these questions? Because otherwise, people you know, could feel like like a gotcha, you know? Yeah. He's like, oh, no, I didn't expect that. And now I feel because you set up this safe space and again, 
I could just delete the file if you said I want this file deleted but there's something about oh no I'm being recorded so yes <laughs> it's, yes. it's there now I don't know um, yeah mm. that was a long answer wasn't it mm. let's move on five alright oh, where was I one two three ah <laughs> yes who asked who is your man crush oh <laughs> Um, apart from each other. Yeah, so, uh, yeah apart from Sam. each other. Sam. I think that's Sam Pet, but I'm not sure. Because there was a Sam Pet there question is a Sam and Pet. there was a Sam question. Sam's very enthusiastic. She's a very enthusiastic okay. listener. Um, I, I should give a shout out to Sam Pet and to Davy and Dent too, because they're, they're very... They were the first two who were from overseas that right. were like, hey, I'm listening and that's really good and I really like that episode. And you're like, people are listening in Korea. I don't know why that's different to someone listening in Melbourne, but it is, and it's weird, but yeah. <laughs> how, how crazy is that? So thanks, Sam, if that's Sam Pet, and if it's another Sam, thank you, that Sam. Um, okay, who is your man crush? Now, can I tell everyone what, who I think yours is? Yes. Uh, do I have to give an era? Um, <clears throat> because I no. think we... I don't know why, but I we've spoken about something yeah. similar. Is it still Leonardo DiCaprio? Sort of. <laughs> sort of. Well, no, I, it, you know, before it was like definitely early era, and then he went through that weird stage where his head grew at a weird pace. No, I don't know. It looked his head looked weird. Uh, we're, we're, what are we talking here? Like the aviator? Like I, I don't. He know. sort of looked like a child, um, like no, a child's face on a man's okay. head or something. I, I don't know. There was this weird bit where he was going middle aged. Right. But, uh, yeah, totally yeah. back now. Okay. Totally back. Totally back. Yeah. Yeah. So he's awesome. But uh-huh. I've got, I did have a short list. Okay, and cool. I added, and I added, well, one, young Orson Welles has been on there all the time. Young Orson Welles. Not old Very Orson handsome. Wells. I've got, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. young Orson Welles. Um, and um, maybe resurging, moving up the charts, but because of um, some recent activity on podcasts <laughs> and YouTube. Oh, dear. Jeff Goldblum. Oh. Just his voice. Just <laughs> He gets yeah. all like <laughs> I know it's kind of oh, yeah. He gets all slimy, slimy. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. But, but he gets ooh, and, uh, not ooh. Jurassic Park. No, not that. No, no. The the the, the he's very charming. Self-aware, charming. Right. I, I bet he's the most annoying person, and that's why he's not on my list of. People I guess yeah. Part. If he's that like again persona, yeah, yeah. person or persona, the mm. persona would be like too much after. I wonder if people meet him and he's in his persona and they're like, oh, this is so good and. And then what if he didn't leave? And then after a while, they'd <laughs> yeah. be like, we've oh, got to go, yeah. Jeff. And we're like, oh, stay. The YouTube video I shared recently where he reviewed people doing impersonations of him, yeah. great. Yeah. And then I went on a weird run. And I ended up at the, the, <laughs> the silly show that I watch on YouTube where people eat hot wings. Yeah, yeah of course, just, hot ones. Yeah. Oh, and he's him on that. Yeah. <sighs> he's just, yeah, he's yeah. a very slippery character. Jeff Goldblum, nice. <laughs> I've no idea what you're going to answer to this. So I, this is the question I thought about the most because yeah. I, I couldn't think of one. I really was like, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever really... I was trying to think. A lot of it is just that I just want to be them right. rather than man crush. Because my first thought was like John Cusack, but then I was like, I don't... I just would like to be John Cusack in a lot of his movies, or I see myself in John Cusack. In I just you know wish I could pull off the the charm and of John Cusack. But here is my definitive oh, answer. Your face is great beforehand. I think the sexiest male performance I've ever seen is Kevin Costner in Bull Durham. So that movie, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Him and Susan Sarandon together. 
is just I love it. It's a weird movie. It's like minor league baseball. Yeah. He's an older player who's trying to encourage a younger player, Tim Tim Robbins, who can't really throw a baseball, but whatever. Um, and then there's a Susan Sarandon is like their number one fan, and each year she usually takes the rookie and teaches them and sleeps with them all the time um, and teaches them poetry and stuff like that to open their metaphysical minds. It's a weird 80s movie. Wow. But he is just great in it and uh yeah so that's my answer wow yeah what do you think about that oh it's, it just made me instantly go how is matthew mcconaughey not on my list <laughs> what era mcconaughey all eras really yeah even when he was like skinny dallas boys yeah, yeah. okay yeah i should have said that first is it anyway. just is it just the accent well, i mean he's presented he presents well it's everything <laughs> what about his oscar speech That is the correct answer. Watch his Oscar speech. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's one of Justine's favourites to like. Oh, remember his Oscar speech? How bad was it? Anyway, who's your hero? Me, in five years' time. A strange thing to say. This came up zero. Is that ten? ten? Yeah. All right. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, who is the person who has influenced your life and career? I've got a cracking answer for that. Um, And I don't think I told you this story because it only Mm. happened last week. Uh, Episode 98 featured Betty Chow, lovely Betty Chow. Um, This is why I love Betty Chow. She is an expert Facebook stalker or internet stalker. Sorry, I'm giving away secrets for free here. Um, She asked me last Friday... Second day back at school, we had to do a boring thing at the start. Turn to the person next to you and talk about what you're looking for. I don't know what the question was. And she was sitting next to me and she said, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but why did you become a teacher? Or like, what is what is it about teaching that you like? You should always ask teachers that question. Mm. They will love it. Um, and I said, I had a year three teacher that I just loved from the start. He was great. He was an excellent teacher. He pushed us. He, we were in year three and he was giving us year six work um, by the end of year three and saying, yeah, yeah, I think you can handle this and really made us work, like think, yeah, we can do anything. When this is, he was like, this is a great class. I still remember him saying this. Like, I've realized this is a really strong class for a year three class and I'm going to push you. And I've always remembered that. And from that age, from eight years old, I always wanted to be a teacher. There was always on the list you know, people would say, what do you want to be? And I'd be like, oh, I might you know, like be a physiotherapist or a teacher. Or I might, I don't know, I can't remember the other thing. Work in, be an actor or a teacher. It was always in the list. And then when I was at high school, I was like, yeah, I want to be a teacher. So I told Betty this and she was like, have you ever contacted him? And I said, oh, I've kind of tried to find him. And she's like, oh, just, and I don't know, 90 seconds later, she was like, is this him? Um, and there was a benefit to the fact he's like two meters tall. So that helps. Um, and so she said, oh, I found this. And then we you know, had a look and there was like a, like a reunion thing that he'd organized in 2015 or something like that. And so she said, is that him? Oh, well, that's, oh there's the photo. Yes, there's the 196 centimeter tall man. Um, that's definitely him. And then it had his email address. So she said, there you go. And so I just emailed him at first, like with, hello, I'm not sure if this is the correct email address, I believe you taught at this school in 1987, just checking, 
to say hello and I became a teacher because of you. And I just left it at that. He sent back a hilarious email because he's like in his mid-70s. Yeah. It's just like all about his family, <laughs> how old he's like grandchildren going who's got COVID who hasn't what jobs his sister did like just completely all over the map how his wife's reading this to him because he's hopeless on the computer like just hilarious like just an old person's email great and so then I emailed him a bigger thing back like thank you and telling him all that stuff so that is a very fresh answer to that question how cool is that even cooler <laughs> yeah is my answer oh same teacher <laughs> There's two parts to this okay. because, but it's it's just great. One, uh, who has influenced my career most? Mm. Um, a teacher that I taught with um, at Ginandera High School. Is that your first? My job? first job. This, the same with me. Like. Yeah, um, Paula Harson. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember the way that during staff meetings mm. that she would ask incredibly poignant questions of executive staff of principal um, and I just couldn't could not believe that someone would have the confidence to ask those questions in yeah. public yeah. and I always aspired to do that and any time I ask a question in a staff meeting yeah. I think of her do you get a rush of adrenaline when you do? no not really it oh. just feels like it's my job it feels like I've been in the thing long enough that I need to do that um, yeah. and Paul was super supportive of me and a whole group of people were and it kind of feels terrible to pick someone out but mm. in that sense that's a person that I think of still but, just just yep. interrupt. This may surprise you, mm-hmm. but that's exactly the answer I had for career, right. but also family. But I'll get to that. And when you arrived today, I was like, look what my dad found. Yeah. My reports. Reports, yeah. And <laughs> my year five primary school teacher and my year six primary school teacher, yeah. um, his name is Les Gearside. Mm-hmm. And I know that at one stage after I was at Ever Primary, he was working at Flory Primary. And then reading my reports and talking to dad the other night, I'm like, this teacher had a massive impact on me. Yeah. I've looked him up before. I'm going to look him up on Facebook, not on Facebook. Yeah. Did search as well as chatting to my dad. Found a record of his name yeah. in an AEU document that's on a PDF on the government website for tracking, making sure unions are doing the right thing. Right. And he was most recently at Nunnawal Primary in huh. 2005 or 2006. Right. So that's where I'm up to. Right. I'm up to, I think I probably... You're listening, have... Betty? You, she'll get back to you yeah, in, in a minute. I, like, I think maybe I need to contact Nana or Primary School because right. I'd like to do a similar mm. email. There's yeah. some formative stuff that happened with Mr. Gearside yeah. that whilst I didn't go through high school or anything thinking I wanted to be a teacher, yeah. I think about the things that he mm. did as a teacher. That's cool. Yeah. If you're a teacher, you should find, if you have a teacher that inspired you, why not find them and send them an email? Yeah. How good would that be? Um, so as far as life is concerned, it's exactly the same situation. When I moved to Daniloquin to start teaching, obviously didn't know anyone. It's a town of 8,000 people. Um, my first head of department, Logues, Sandra Logan, um, did exactly the same, like word for word what you said, Mm. called executive on their bullshit. Like you said this and now you're going back on it or you cannot wash your hands of what's happening here because you said it and she would uh, intentionally do things to show them up so if there was a teacher who was struggling and she was saying to the top people like he's this teacher's really struggling and the students are 
completely out of control and they he needs support and blah 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 and they were like no no he's fine she would move their child into his class say all right now your your son's in his class now so oh and now it's a problem is it oh your son came home and told you what's happening in class now it's like that's what she did if she wasn't getting what she like if they weren't acting and doing their job then she would find ways that they couldn't go back. I I've been in. I was in because she was acting when the fir, when the proper head teacher came back. I I was in staff rooms with my mouth hanging open because she would literally say, "You are lying. Wow. You spoke to me yesterday and said this, and now you're in front of everyone saying that." And it was like, like that. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was 22, and like one day I hope to do that. Mm. Um, but I I get like no I get a rush of adrenaline like oh, right I feel uncomfortable but I the same that's maybe that's I used your to. job maybe I used to I don't really anymore um, but I what I also learned was her family is what I wanted my family to be right so right. I saw how she was with her husband and I saw how they were with their kids and now I'm friends with their kids because when I met them they were like six and nine and mm-hmm. 12 and now they're 30 and yes. 33 and 30 and 26 or something um and i'm closer in age to them than their parents which is that <laughs> kind of messes with my head sometimes but i saw how they parented i saw how they treated each other um i saw how they worked together as a team i was 22 in a strange place they really looked after me made me feel like i was part of their family and that's what i always was like that's that's what i want my family to be like just, I, I, you know, I could probably go into more detail, but mm. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Um, but just, yeah, why not work together as a team and be respectful of each other and have those difficult conversations when you need to have it and talk to your kids directly and mm. be on, open and honest with them. Um, yeah, so that's it. I don't know if Logs listens to it, but they probably do at some point. All right, good question. Yeah. Did you say who that was from? Uh, was that Anne Marie? I think Hannah. Oh, that was from Hannah. Cool. Thanks, Hannah. That was good catching up with Hannah. <laughs> Just I thought, yeah, yeah. All right. Where was I? One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. <laughs> what are the best and worst parts of parenting? I wrote a lot here. I did write a lot. Um, the best and worst of parenting. That's Emily. Oh, yes. Emily. Thank you, Emily. Part of the Murderinos, which we need to get back on. Um, I think the best part of parenting at the moment, my kids are 13 and 10, is when they legitimately make me laugh and say something that they know is funny. It used to be they'd say something and I would laugh and they might get offended because they weren't intending to be funny. But sometimes I laugh. One of my worst traits as a parent is I laugh at my 13-year-old when she's angry because it's pretty... Like when she shouts at me, I'm calm. And you're like, <laughs> and that's not helpful. No, but you're like, that was amazing. Like you did that without irony. But, you know, that kind of thing just makes me laugh. It's a real problem of mine. And I always have to go back and say, I shouldn't have laughed at you. Like you were angry and that's not going to help the situation. But then I don't say, but it was really funny. And just store it away for that's later. <laughs> um, yes, but when they when they make me laugh, it's it's pretty funny. The other day, Violet said her friend 
uh, was vaping. Cool. You're eight. And she was like, well, it was like, you shouldn't be doing that. It's bad. Blah, blah, blah. And she said, my friend called me a baby. And I was like, oh, that's pretty bad. And she then Violet did this funny little dance and said, well, this baby's got clean lungs. <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere. Just out of nowhere. Me and Noelle will just like burst into laugh. And we're like, that's is that something? Did you? And she was like, no, nah, I just came up with that. I was like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. So when, when, they, when they legitimately make me laugh, that's probably the best thing about parenting. What about you? Seen them grow up. Mm. Where yeah. my kids are right now is just. Yeah, you've got old people. <laughs> you've got an old person in the house. Fifteen and eleven. Yeah. Just. Did he just turn fifteen? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just the other day. Yeah. Um. It's it's just fascinating. Mm. And it's making me reevaluate all of my teen years. Just, just uh-huh. watching it from a different perspective and thinking about how I may have looked externally to other people compared to how I felt internally. Yeah. I feel that that's significantly different. Um, so so what, do you, what do you mean by... Oh, I'm just... Like personally get, to you? Personally, how... I get flashes of when I was young and angry at things and, yeah. and what I thought people thought of me mm-hmm. or what I thought my parents meant or and how as a parent i'm able to step back from that and watch it all it's yeah really interesting and and i'm growing from it yeah the worst bit is it's hard (laughs) i mean but no yeah yeah Yeah, that's true i in the sense that i always grapple with you know we are we because as teachers we get exposed to lots of families mm. and that's stepping a, that's back true. and thinking huh and thinking trying not to be judgmental trying to be helpful yeah. but thinking you took maybe the easy route you did right, the easy right, way right, right, right. and and it, and it's difficult and mm. if you take the easy path for anything for setting routines setting boundaries consequences if you take the easy way yeah. then it, the end result isn't great. No. But I've only got a sample size of two, right? Yes. So then there's that other side of oh, giving advice and talk, and it's just it's what works for me. But there's, yeah. there have been times where it's I know that our response, Janie and I need to talk about this, we've got it considered, and, and we're on the same page, and we're able to do that. And I, I just... It even feels like I talk to people that aren't on the same page in their parenting. Yeah. And and I just feel, I just think that must be, so, I find it hard, that must be so difficult. Yeah. Um, and that's the challenging part, that's the really challenging part. And it, then, then yeah. they grow up mm. and then it feels like my 15-year-old's almost gone. Yes. Could be gone soon. Well, I remember talking to you about that fairly recently of like, oh, I'm starting to get that they'll leave. Or that how hard it is to not see them as children. Just wondering. I've just noticed my audio volume is way lower than yours when I speak. That's because... Is it? Do I have to be there? No, maybe I need it to be there. Ah, okay. It's okay. Okay. Um, But that it's so hard not to see them as... Like all that time, the, the cliche of your kids saying like, you treat me like I'm a child and all that stuff. And you're like, oh yeah, that's probably going to... Yes. happen a lot because you're like oh no like 
My daughter's 13. 13 is not a child. It is in some way. And it's that that's what makes being that teenage years so awkward, right? Yes. Is they still want to be treated like a child when it suits them. Mm. Like when they want to. When of they course. want to be comforted as you comforted them as a child. But they don't want to be treated like a child when they feel like they don't want to be treated as a child. And there is no warning on when that shifts or on the day-to-day of that. Yeah, that's right. So the day-to-day of just, no, you're treating me like a child. Like Violet has always been someone who is pushing and pulling away from parental control. Sure. All at all, not all times, but mm. you can feel it. And it's been palpable from the start of just, where is the line? How can I negotiate my way around this from the start? That's always been her. Um, but as she gets older, just more and more, you're like, you don't want to be treated like a child here, but you wanted to be treated like a child yesterday. <laughs> so uh, that's that's probably quite yeah, challenging. it's hard to read that stuff. It's so hard to read so it. So hard. And yeah. the fact that we think we are the biggest influences on their life, and you're like, no, they are. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You're like, God damn it, why did that take so long? No, they're the influence on their life. Yes. They, they are them. And so often you're like, this is you're not acting like the child I raised. <laughs> I thought that's the only input you ever had. You have no original thought. So, um, yeah, that is tricky. I've yeah. I've written down. The hardest thing for me is when they're being just incredibly egocentric. But then that was what everyone's like. Yeah. Even as adults. But that's what gets me. Is like, there's other people in the world. That's why I don't like you sevens. Um, I, when, <laughs> but I think that the hardest thing is when you can't fix their pain. Yeah. I, yeah. The hardest thing is when someone else has broken their heart. Usually you're like friends or at school or a teacher said something or someone said something that really got to them mm. and upset them. You can't fix it. You can say, I will help you carry this, but you can't go oh yeah i would say oh they're there everything's fine and then that goes away but that's probably the hardest it's mm. like and that's going to happen more and more yes you're just like yeah all right i'm going to sit here in it with you yeah that's that's pretty hard i've got to remember that just to sit in it you, yeah you just you just said it really well it resonated mm. um and also like anytime i let myself down as a parent <laughs> where you're like yeah oh all well, the things that i didn't ever want to do or if I be mean to them, like that's great, and you're like, "Wow, oh, that was immature. That was an immature instant response you had." Yeah, I wasn't playing the adult there. Yeah, I'm the adult in the room. Yeah, anytime you're trying to win is always like, <laughs> "That's bad news." That's been, yeah, you know, even when they were babies, and you're like, "What are you, what are you trying to win here?" <laughs> you got to wake up tomorrow and keep going. All right, all right. Where are we going here? Seven. One, two, three, four, five. What was your favourite thing to do as a child? I have an answer. Who asked that question? Um, it's somewhere on this sheet. Sam. All right. Thanks, Sam. Yes, what was your favourite thing to do as a child? Mine was pretty straightforward. Play sport. I just played sport all the time with my brother in the backyard. In the winter, it was rugby league, and in the summer, it was cricket. And it seems like nostalgia to be like, we would play all day in the backyard until mum called us in for dinner. 
That's what happened a lot. <laughs> where we just play cricket. There's always dead patches where you would bat and the run-ups would just be worn down. And then you would go out at night and put the spotlight on and keep playing. Right? That's not nostalgia. We really played a lot of sport in the backyard. <laughs> a week or two ago, yeah. um, I was fixing something around the house. And one of the kids asked, how do you know how to do this? Hmm. And I said, because I used to pull all my toys apart as a kid. Huh. Um, I think it was Eleni that asked me. And she said, did you break any? I said, yeah, some of them I broke and couldn't make work again. Yeah. But I liked pulling particular electronic toys apart. Or seeing ones how they worked. And seeing how they worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that turned into computers when we had computers in the house. Yeah. And that's, that, that was the first thing I thought of. Right. Finding screwdrivers, pulling things apart. Seeing how they worked. Seeing how they worked. Putting them back together successfully. Yeah. Um, all that kind of stuff. Never really goes away. I had to fix a leaking toilet. <laughs> and I hadn't done that before. And I would have just rang someone to do it. But we're getting a new toilet in a few months. I was like, oh, see how I can do it. I was on YouTube. And then you're like, ah, oh, that's how a toilet works. Yeah. That's why it runs. Huh. I love how about fi- that? Love fixing stuff because yeah. of that. It's and so then good. you fix it and you're like, cool, I fixed the toilet today. <laughs> Dust off your hands. That was something achieved. Huh. Fixing stuff. How like how intricate were these things that you pulled apart? Radio control cars, things that you add batteries to, mute things that made sounds, um, switches, things that I broke that I tried to fix. All kinds, all kinds of things. Do you have any like specific memories of pulling something apart and working something out and just being like, "Wow, that's awesome"? Yeah, um, a radio control car that went one of those ones that only went forward and turned in reverse. Yeah, and it wasn't as cool as I thought it was. So I pulled it apart to see <laughs> yeah. how it worked. And then I saw that there was way more electronics. I had no idea about that stuff. Right. Um, but the gearing was interesting and the way that the, the turn reverse thing worked yeah. was cool. Seeing that that was kind of, you know, the the way a gear thing slipped. And when, when it pulled in reverse, it slipped out and made it ah. turn. That was, I don't know. I have a memory of that. I, I, I think that one didn't work again when I put it back together. <laughs> but I learned how it worked. So that yeah. was fine. Yeah. Was it the best part was when you put it back together and it worked? Oh, that was awesome when I put something back together and it worked. Yeah. That's the, yeah, the That's best cool. thing. End of part one. Turn tape over.